Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. All right, it's Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104. And if you're self-isolating and working from home, how how are you surviving, right? It's, it's all getting a bit mad out there. But listen, we're going to be doing it for a couple of more weeks. We'll get used to it. Joining us now on the line to talk a little bit more about survival strategies, someone who has been preparing to uh, live in extreme circumstances, live out in the wild if society did ever actually fall apart. Shane Phelan, sir, how are you? How you doing, Harting? Yeah, not too bad. Um, we saw your stuff and we had to kind of get in touch. Uh, you're what you would call a survivalist. For, for people who maybe are unfamiliar with the term, what exactly is that? Okay, so basically what I do, uh, I teach people how to survive. So survival can uh, incorporate uh, in the wilderness, like you said. But survival is also, as we're seeing now at the moment, it's, it's important in, in suburban areas and urban areas too. Uh, so where, where survival... Often they use the term bushcraft and survival together, but survival really uh, encompasses wherever you might find yourself in a situation that you actually have to survive. I would be terrible in a situation where I have to try and survive, especially out in the wild, but I presume during this pandemic that you have been living for this moment. Well, no, I wouldn't say I've been living for this moment because uh, I'm, I'm not the Rambo type of guy, you know, maybe my photographs may make me look like that, but I'm very, very much a humanist and, you know, I don't really want to see anybody suffering and I don't want to see anybody going without. But sadly, if they don't take it into their own hands to gather the skills to be able to provide for themselves and their family and extended family, it could very well happen. Um, as I say, you know, skills pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's funny, though, because I think there's been such a, 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 a generational gap between useful skills that you probably have because y- y- our parents and grandparents would have maybe worked on farms, been able to grow their own food, cook their own food, even things like tying knots, you know what I mean? And I think we've lost that in a, in a generation. We're all really good at laptopy stuff and tech stuff, but if, let's say, for, for, as you say, if, for example, everything was to shut down in the morning, I don't think we'd stand a chance. You know, the the sad thing is, uh, a couple of generations ago, and you're quite right, um, people were surviving. It just wasn't called surviving then, it was called living. And that's all they were doing. They were getting on with life. Your your great-grandma had a, a, you know, a pantry or whatever, and they stockpiled seasonal stuff. Um, The the problem nowadays is that we live in a society where we are hardwired into consumerism. And we think that money is the answer to everything and having uh, available money to buy stuff will always be the answer but the problem is our money doesn't really have much of an intrinsic value when stuff in the shops isn't there to be bought anymore that's fair enough yeah and what are the 
uh, survival tips that you can give somebody, like the basics for someone, say, like me, that wouldn't have a clue? Okay, well, firstly and and, and foremost, what I see with the problem, my my primary concern isn't COVID-19, and I've said this before, uh, and and I still stand by it. My concern isn't COVID-19, my concern is Society 20. The way people are behaving at the moment is shocking. Remember, at this point in time, we're still pre-crisis. We're not actually in a crisis yet because everything is still available with the exception of toilet roll. Everything is available in the shops. Now, I have a certain amount of preps, but I'm not a prepper per se because I suppose the term prepper is very much an American term and a lot of preppers prepare for a particular thing. I don't prepare for anything in particular other than I have a small stockpile of food and I have a, I have a stockpile of water and that would give me a head start in the event that potable water wasn't available um, or, or food, you know. But what I teach people is with minimalist skills how they can sustain themselves and their family and really teaching people what they need biologically on a cellular level and it's not a whole lot what we need to do is firstly and foremost we need thermoregulation so we need to ensure that our body stays at 98.6 degrees celsius there or thereabouts at any given time and you know without heating or whatever how can people do this how can elderly people do this like you mean if your heating were to go out tonight uh, would you be cold in your home do you have sufficient blankets if not do you have plastic bags you can stuff newspapers into the plastic bags and they'll serve as an insulation so it's teaching people savvy like that how did you how can you actually make water potable if it's if it's not potable any longer if you don't no longer have the facilities to boil it you can use regular unscented household bleach uh, to make water potable or you can use tincture of iodine iodine to make uh, water potable so can i ask you how did you get into this kind of lifestyle okay well i suppose I'm practicing survival since I was about 12 years of age and I'm at the ripe old age of 47 now so I've got a few years under my belt. I come from a family uh, that would be would have been very much into fishing, hunting, falconry, etc, etc uh, and, and from a farming background as well. So obviously I was kind of predisposed to that kind of yeah. lifestyle and I suppose uh, I, I got hooked by it and that, that was it. Because I'd l- always love to be able to, uh, you know, I have this, not, not necessarily a dream, but a thing on my bucket list that I'd love to be able to see if I could survive in the wild or the wilderness for like three days. You know, being you hear yeah. these training things where they just drop you in the middle of a forest somewhere and, and see if you can survive. But <laughs> I just think I'd be absolutely useless at it. Oh, I'd well, be terrible. Do you know Bear Grylls? I used to love watching that show. And, ah, he stayed uh, in hotels, though. You know, let's not be <laughs> going by Bear Grylls. Let's remember, Bear's Grylls is not a survivalist, he's an adventure actor. So when I'm teaching people to, to survive, and if you came to do a course with me, you would, you would last three weeks at the end of the course. So what I teach people is slow movement. Everything that's contrary to what you've seen in Hollywood films or indeed Bear Grylls, everything is about slowing down because in a survival scenario, we cannot afford to have any kind of mechanical injury. That's, that's, that puts us out of the game. So you, you don't yeah. jump into rivers that you don't know how deep they are or if there's spikes in the river, etc., etc. It's all about slowing down and, and moving at the pulse of nature. Very interesting. And have you challenged yourself personally? Like, have you gone into oh, yes, the wilderness for days on oh, end? Yes, and yes, yes. I've, I've, I've done 28 days in the wilderness. What? With, uh, and all I brought with me was a knife, a pot, and a ferrocerium rod. I had no tent. I had no uh, sleeping bag. Etc. Etc. And you'd know Wi-Fi. I, it was uh, it, it was pre-internet uh, days. <laughs> I'm showing my age now, but uh, <laughs> oh, that that's ridiculous. So 28 days 
Uh, yeah. How did you like? Where whereabouts was this, by the way? I did it in Wicklow because I, I, I'm from Wicklow. Yeah. But you know, th- th- what, what I found difficult about that, and I learned a lot about myself during those 28 days. What I found very, very difficult was how to deal with isolation. And once you get to to grips with that, you're okay. But I don't know uh, uh, how well modern society can deal with that because, um, you know, some people can't go five minutes now without, you know, checking Facebook or whatever, you know. It's slightly different. It's not such a long time ago, but, but... Character traits have changed a lot in the last 10 or 15 years. That's mad. It's really interesting you said that. So did you go without seeing anyone else for 28 days? I I never saw anyone for 28 days. I didn't bring any food with me and I didn't bring any water with me. I just brought a pot, a knife and a a ferrocerium rod, which is essentially a large flint. Right, yeah. And Did you feel like you were hallucinating at all or were you okay? Like how did you Um, cope with being alone? Yeah, hunger is a thing, you know, and... uh, you eventually, hunger and cold combined are two terrible things, but you have to learn how to deal with them. And, you know, when you got to go about three days without, when you haven't eaten much, I was still eating, like, I mean, I was eating, you know, some days I was lucky, I got a magpie or whatever, but <laughs> when you go three or four days without eating, after that, you stop feeling as hungry, you know, very well hydrated. This is the thing, uh, when I teach people survival, when they come to one of my courses, we are hardwired as a society into food. Mm. We just want food, you know. Um, most of the people in society nowadays could go without... They'd actually be healthier if they went a few days without food, you know. So food is not such uh, of such importance as we think it is. We have a rule of trees that we, we follow, and basically the rule of trees is, like, I mean, you can survive three minutes without air. You can tr- survive three hours without shelter. Now, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You need shelter within three hours if you don't have appropriate clothing. You're either to cool you down or to, or to keep you warm. We can survive three minutes without... I, I did air, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm losing the run of myself here. <laughs> and we can survive three days without water and three weeks without food. Three weeks? And, yeah, no problem. I did hear that. A lot of times, though, aren't you dehydrated when you think you're hungry? Yeah, uh, I, th- that's the thing. Like, I mean, hydrate. water is the thing. Water is life. And... What we find in survival scenarios, um, the things that we have in the first world that we take for granted are usually the things that are most important. And the reason that we take them for granted is because they are so important, the first world ensures that we literally have them on tap. So can I ask again just about, uh, obviously, 28 days, people, we're obviously not going to get to that extreme uh, situation of isolation, but, the, you know, self-isolation is the popular term that's, you know, doing everyone's heads in for the last couple of days okay. and, and for the weeks. But how did you, you know, psychologically survive without human contact? Well, psychologically, I'm quite a strong person. And what we have to remember regarding survival, it is 90% psychological, you know. Um, Henry Ford had the great term. He said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're probably right. So I'm taking a look at this COVID thing, and I've made a few observations over the last few days because I'm still going to the supermarket like everybody else because I I have a certain stockpile, but I don't want to dip into that until such point in time that there is nothing there. Now, COVID-19, when I'm teaching survival, I make up a lot of acronyms because it's a very easy way to give people bullet points. Yeah. And with COVID-19, what I have arrived with is careful observation verifies verifies intelligent decisions. And what I mean by that is when you go into your shop, look around you. Are there people coughing? Are there, you know, keep your distance. Make sure to keep your distance. And the 19 in part of that acronym stands for approximately 19% of the people that are carrying COVID now are asymptomatic. So they may not be coughing or they may not be sniffling. Yeah. 
So the greatest filter uh, for COVID-19 is distance. And if, if we could all comply with that, it would be great. I think we're doing a pretty okay job at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, I'd say the large majority of people Did, are. Yeah, um, to, to an extent. Like, uh, would you have thought that if you were up in Glendalough last weekend? <laughs> no, of course, I think everyone was, was having a big uh, cuddle party up there on the mountains. <laughs> uh, it, it, was so, it was so busy. Um, so you've spent, I said, 28 days on your own surviving, which is ridiculously insane. Are there any other kind of um, pieces of information you'd give people for uh, keeping themselves, uh, you know, occupied? Because obviously we're not here to... to, to panic anyone and we're all, we're no. all going to be fine and it'll be happy days which is very interesting to talk to someone who has gone to the well, extremes and now can see this through that lens I'm delighted you used the word panic because panic is the biggest problem that anyone will ever face in any survival scenario I'm sure when you were sitting your leaving certain morning before it you were panicking and it probably didn't increase your points. So here's the thing. In my, my thinking, panic is the paralysis of intellect. As soon as we start panicking, we can't think of what to do. And what we need to do, and this is another acronym, is STOP. So that stands for STOP, THINK, OBSERVE AND PLAN. Then, of course, we act upon it. So do not panic. Do not fear. Uh, at the end of the day, we're actually not in a crisis at this point in time. And, you know, please God, we won't face any yeah, crisis yeah. whatsoever. But panicking uh, and panic purchasing is not helping the scenario either you know like mm. I mean it, it, it's uh, I observe these things and I, and I kind of keep records on them the last crisis we had was was the bread and milk crisis in the snow yeah and we were okay uh, this one seems to be toilet roll like <laughs> I mean do you know how long toilet roll is in existence they started using it commercially in 1857 and people wiped their bums before that you know, <laughs> Don't be stressing about toilet roll because there are much more pressing issues at hand. Uh, dead right. I mean, everyone has access to a shower. If worse comes to worse, yeah. or a hose out the back garden, you can hose yourself down with. Shane, listen, that's been absolutely fascinating. A lot of useful, important information there. Do you have, I take it you have a website where you offer kind of these courses? Because one, I'd yeah. love to do one in the near future, but for someone who wants a bit more info, see what you're about and see what you offer. Yeah, so we're on Facebook at Eagle Ridge Survival and we're also on EagleRidgeSurvival.com and we teach in Roundwood County, Wicklow and we also teach um, in the Irish National Heritage Park in Wexford. Oh, amazing. Perfect. Sir, so we're going to have to uh, buzz out one day and do the show from the middle of the woods and see how long I we can would survive. I love it. Who would survive quicker, me or you, I wonder? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. I think we're pretty boat useless at this stage. We'd probably <laughs> die after four hours going, I can't check my Instagram. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? After a few hours with me, you'd both survive. Oh, that's good to hear. Listen, uh, Shane, thanks a million for that. Uh, stay safe. We, who knows? We might see you out there in the near future, seeing whether or not myself and Susha can, can make, a, make a, a life for ourselves in the wilderness. But uh, thanks a million for popping on. No problem at all, guys. Take care and have a good day. We will indeed. Uh, on the way next here on FM 104, we're going to be chatting to neuroscientist Sabina Brennan about uh, not only, uh, well, obviously Shane was talking about how you can survive in the wild. How can you survive inside your own head? How do you stop your brain from deteriorating uh, and getting old and dreary. She'll be on the way next here in FM 104. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. You're listening to FM 104 and we aren't getting any any younger really, but we're trying our very best to do what we can while we're locked up inside to uh, do what we can. And it's not necessarily around our physical features, it's around what's inside inside our heads. We're talking about uh, trying to get a, a younger brain, if it's even possible. Joining us on the line to tell you maybe some things that you can do, uh, some things you should not do, is somebody, and I'm reading this offer...
I think we'll ever do uh, is Sabina Brennan she has been a soap actor gotten a first class honours degree in psychology has a PhD run a dementia research programme wrote and produced 30 short films developed three brain health websites and an app given over 100 talks been an activist advocate and reading a number and written a number one best selling book Sabina Brennan how are you? <laughs> That sounds terribly boastful, but it was in, that was what you're reading from was in response to a. I a saw it. I didn't even want to. Yeah. 40. <laughs> if they don't have kids, what do they do? And so I got very cross and said, "Well, since I turned forty, I did this." <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So now myself and uh, Saoirse feel like uh, we have imposter syndrome now because you <laughs> yeah. are so successful and so unbelievably, uh, you know, yeah, like, achieved a ton. What have we done? What have we done with our lives? I haven't even written <laughs> one short film. Thing? My God, I feel really. Is it? Is is that, is that real, Sabina, that you've been in, oh, he, produced 30 short films? Yeah, yeah, but they're very short, short films. So um, Now, listen, your Instagram you go, stories don't count, Sabina, okay? You cannot no, no, put no, them no, down no. as oh, short God. stories. No, no, <laughs> these are proper. These are actually, and most of them are animations. So they are uh, short films, actually. A lot of them are about brain health, um, about memory. Actually, there's one of them explains neuroplasticity. Um, so basically, yeah, what I do with the short films is take, you know, scientific content and usually neuroscientific content and translated into easy to understand fun entertaining little films so um yeah i've covered some challenging uh, it's actually really something i quite like doing it's quite challenging and um, the films are usually less than two minutes long um and sometimes the topics can be quite challenging you know in and around i've done i did a series of 10 around dementia actually and more recently then i did some um for a consultant a neonatal consultant uh, explaining um therapeutic hypothermia which um is basically it was for people who've just unexpectedly had a baby who's had their sustained a brain injury of some sort during the birthing process and it's a kind of explaining a procedure uh, for that so they're not easy topics but um, yeah and i can imagine difficult enough to, to wrap into a two-minute clip yeah yeah well actually some of those ones are I, i'm even down to kind of 60 seconds on a lot of them now um it's challenging which is something that's absolutely brilliant for your brain but i always try try and um throw a bit of humor in there even when it's those challenging <laughs> challenging topics helps to make the information stick oh, i can imagine yeah and, and uh, as a complex a subject as neuroscience and psychology and all that stuff is uh, that the more uh, consumable you can make it uh, happy days but how you've also written a book that that best-selling book was a uh, hundred days to uh, a younger brain but yes how do we do this? How do we how do we get younger? Yeah, like brains? what you're really saying is is the title a load of rubbish? And can you really have a younger? <laughs> yeah, can you That's get a younger brain? Asking. To put a filter on my brain, do I have to Photoshop my brain to look in any way younger? That's free that we don't have to pay for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you see, this is the thing. Everything in my book, uh, everything that my book suggests is free. You do have to pay for the book. But the stuff in the book is free. Uh, yes, it is possible um, because I do have integrity, and um, <laughs> I wouldn't let the publishers. Did you know that? when you publish a book though that you don't necessarily have control over what the title is or the cover I can imagine I can imagine they're like ah we're going to completely butcher this yeah. and you have no yeah, say yeah 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 no no yes but I do have integrity and yes actually so um, if you're over the age of 30 your brain has already started to shrink oh, oh that's so sad I know isn't it but there's good news there's good now, do news. you mean do you mean Sabina do you mean physically shrink in yeah, size yeah yeah I mean it's yeah, the shrink is the layman term. Atrophy is the is the scientific term. So atrophy means, um, you know, it literally means that some of your brain cells and the connections between them, yes, are are, are dying off. Um, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And so hit 60, the rate of that acceleration, um, the rate of that atrophy accelerates. So really, the thing is, from uh, you, you sort of from the age of 30, your brain can atrophy by about 2% every 10 years. Wow, that's so, a lot. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. You know, it's about, I think it, that works out if you do the maths, and I'm not brilliant at maths, it's 0.02% every year. But um, less brain you have means you're going to lose function. Um, but uh, the good news is that we have now come to realise that there are certain things that you can do that can not only slow the rate of that atrophy, but actually help you maintain brain volume. So, you know, kind of if you engage in what I would call a brain-healthy life, you can actually um, kind of keep your brain nice and juicy and and fat. It's the one organ that you want. Fat's not really the right word, but you know what I mean. You want it a decent size. You want it to have loads of neurons and loads of connections. So so I take it uh, eating fatty foods is not going to be one of your suggested (laughs) things to do. Although your your brain actually is comprised of a lot of fat, but... um, what I would say to your listeners, I hate, I give a lot of talks around the brain and I have to use some of those images of the brain that everybody thinks of when um, they think of a brain, which is that horrible, crinkly, beige mm. mess of a thing. It's just really not very nice to look at. But uh, what I would suggest to people is that they Google um, the word brainbow. B-R-A-I-N-B-O-W. So rainbow with a B in front of it, rainbow. And they will see the most amazing images um, of what the brain is really like. So your brain has 86 billion neurons and trillions of connections between them. And they are firing um, like mad all the time. They use electrical and chemical signals to communicate. um, And uh, that's... Much that image of a rainbow is it basically what those images online are. They use sort of fluorescent dye and stuff with DNA, um, and they color neurons. Yeah, and I'm just so, looking at it now. It's unbelievable. It's like a weird, it, crazy forest or network of uh, yeah connections. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's stunning, isn't it? Now, that's what I say to people when I kind of give my talks. When you think of the brain, forget that beige mass. Think of that rainbow 
that you're looking at. And also, if you look at there's other types of imagery where you'll actually see it, you know, in the shape of the brain and you'll see all the colours going. And that's what I sort of like people to, to think about because then it becomes this really cool organ, you know, that's mm. kind of worth paying attention to. Now, I assume that, like, our busy lifestyles these days, like the stress and anxiety that, you know, a 31-year-old would have today compared to back in the 50s uh, is, is having a huge effect on our brains and the aging process, would it? Um, well, I think uh, the, what, uh, there's a little animation, actually, that I made about feeling stressed that, uh, that actually highlights the, the, the fact that every generation thinks they're more stressed than the last. Um, and it actually throws right back to um, Victorian times when they were actually talking about being stressed over the amount of letters they were getting like we talked about being stressed about email yeah it's 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 very funny i mean it's somewhere on my i have a website called superbrain.ie and down the bottom of that website you will find resources and that links out to where all my animations are all my brain health awareness stuff i've tons of stuff that's free online for anyone to use um and i think that video is in there somewhere yeah it's kind of funny um but to answer your question um stress Stress and the brain. Mm. So what I first of all want to say is that stress in and of itself is not a bad thing. It kind of gets a bad rap. Um, but you need the stress response to rise to challenge, to attain your goals, you know, to do a lot of the fun things in life. You need that cortisol and the adrenaline to mm. be released. So an appropriate stress response um, is good. Uh, you need that. Where we get into trouble with stress um, and your 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 brain health and your physical health and your mental health is when it becomes chronic and poorly managed. Um, and when that happens, um, it uh, suppresses the growth of new neurons in your brain, which is called neurogenesis, and it also suppresses neuroplasticity in a part of your brain called the hippocampus. Um, which is the part of your brain that's responsible for learning and memory. So essentially your ability to learn new things and to remember becomes um, impaired. But it also suppresses um, those same things in your frontal lobes. And essentially what happens is your frontal lobes and your hippocampus start to, to shrink and your amygdala, which is your fear center, your anxiety center, um, actually with chronic stress what happens is um, the growth of new neurons, neurogenerous neurogenesis and neuroplasticity are both accelerated so your fear centers start to become bigger and what happens is you start to lose rational thinking and you just become entirely fear focused and so the stress then becomes anxiety etc and then it interferes with sleep um, and you need uh, good quality sleep for a healthy brain as well so managing stress is critical um, but too little stress is really bad for your brain too and we often don't hear about that because if you are not, if you don't have enough challenge in your life, so let's, I'm kind of switching out the word stress for challenge because in a way they're kind of similar, you know. And yeah. um, if you don't have enough of that in your life, um, you, um, you're going to be um, understimulated. Your brain will be understimulated. That leads to boredom, which in turn leads to depression, um, which is not good for your brain either. But also your brain is a really high energy organ. It can't afford to waste resources on cells that aren't being used. So it really is use it or lose it with your brain. But the good news is that you can, you know, even if you've lost 
brain cells and brain function, you can grow new ones. It's brilliant. Oh, well, that's oh. good to hear. Yeah, well, at least. Yeah, that um, is good to hear. Yeah, we're not all. Uh, it's, uh, that's mad, though. So if you have a bigger, what say, is it amygdala? The, the, the yeah. so, so literally uh, people's stress responses come down to because you know you read all of these self-help books and these motivational quotes where people are like oh you just need to think positive and remove the stress other, other people might have a biologically different brain wired differently that would produce less amounts of stress or more amounts of stress yes so, so it is a combination of both so basically um, the thing is uh, with stress um, you will sort of have a, a, a temperament. So let's take, for example, I mentioned to you a minute ago um, that stress can, if you're stressed, it can um, interfere with your ability to sleep, okay? Yeah. So that's actually called stress-sleep reactivity. And the thing is, that seems to be, um, a, it's like a trait, you know, something that some of us are born with. And actually, so what that means is if you have high sleep stress reactivity, it means that if you become stressed, you are more likely to experience disturbance in your sleep. Another individual who has low sleep stress uh, reactivity, they could be just as stressed as you, but it won't knock a sausage off their sleep. That's a really stu- stupid way to say that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> no, but we totally get that. It won't interfere um, with their sleep. And that seems to be trait-based. There seems to be some genetic element, and it, it, and higher stress reactivity is more common in females, actually, as well. So, yes, some of those are, are kind of inherent traits. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have no control. I think it's good to know that because it just means that you kind of need to work harder and you, you, you need to actually take more control and say, right, I really do need to manage my stress and I need to manage my sleep because otherwise I'm going to end up in a sort of vicious spiral. With regard to the thinking and, and positive thinking and that sort of thing, um, people forget... So so. I should just sort of say that your brain is really a dynamic organ, right? It is constantly changing. And it's your behaviors, your experiences, the life choices that you make that shape it at any age. So um, the thing is that people often forget is that thinking is a behavior, just like eating is a behavior. So, um, you know, you have control over your thinking. Um, Of course, you may have habitual ways of thinking, um, but that just means that your your brain has got used to thinking that way. It's become a habit. Mm. And again, that's actually to do with the fact that your brain um, has to work as efficiently and as effectively as it can because it needs to make the best use of its, the energy that it has. So one of the simple ways to do that is to operate sort of on autopilot in habit. So not to have to engage cognitive areas of the brain in thinking in making a decision every time you have to act do you know what i mean Mm. so um it it, that's where habit kind of comes in habitual behavior your brain doesn't have to put as many resources into that it'll just say this is the most likely uh response in this situation and it's done unthinkingly you know you just respond that way but that just means that it's the most likely to fire and it's the most efficient from an energy perspective but that doesn't mean that you can't change it you can change a habit because the habit is just a certain bunch of neurons firing it just means you actually have to engage your cognitive thinking part of your brain and say i want to actively work on changing this um habitual thought process for another and that takes effort and energy 
your brain will have to provide the resources to do that. But over time, um, and the length of time will depend on how long you've had that habit, etc. But over time, you can change it, and then that new behaviour becomes the unthinking habit, but hopefully it's a healthier one. So... Yeah, no, I get that. So, yeah, it might take a bit of energy at the start, kind of, you know, like driving a car, sometimes it takes a little more time, energy and effort, but once you get the hang of it, you're kind of easing into it and it becomes more um, Well, yeah, driving is automated, yeah, and the reason that is is, is that actually it's, once you, when you're learning how to drive, it's the big, huge, crinkly top part of your brain that's doing the learning, and that's... Uh, um, very effortful but once you actually learn to drive it's a procedural um, memory so actually then the information that the, the responsibility for driving switches over to you know the tennis ball bit at the back of your head yeah as your cerebellum which means little brain so actually driving switches over to that which is an unconscious action and um, so you could, that's why you can drive to the shops and not even think about it but thankfully that tennis ball part of your brain is connected to the front part of your brain so that if something unusual like you know a kid goes to run across the road you can come back into full conscious awareness and take control of the vehicle again sorry i'm digressing but i just it's fascinating though it really is fascinating fascinating, isn't it yeah Yeah. things coming up in your unconscious about running over kids in your car now come on now We've all but had it a stressful is true. day, it's fine. They should be at home anyway. Don't worry about it, Sabina. They should be self-isolating. <laughs> Don't let any children out. <laughs> yeah. oh. or Sabina will get... No, of course not. Um, Sabina, we could talk to you. God, I'd love to talk to you for literally hours on end, but uh, unfortunately, we, we kind of have to wrap up. But I do know you've recently launched a brand new podcast because this is a hugely fascinating uh, area and there's tons and tons and tons of information on it. But what's the story with the podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is called Super Brain. Um, and on Mondays, I interview some really interesting um, guests, people that you might know, authors, comedians, various people. Um, and I just chat to them about thriving and surviving in life. And uh, I throw in a bit of, like we've been talking here now, but the guests are really interesting in themselves. And they have a lot, you know, I've learned a lot from them. And then sort of on a Thursday, I drop what I call um, a super brain booster um, episode, which is just eight to ten minutes, where I actually kind of give tips around, um, you know, your brain or maybe you know, um, memory, um, you know, how to improve yeah. it or what happens in your brain when you have sex. I think is next week's one is Thursday's one. So um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's fascinating, um, uh, and so far I'm getting kind of very good um, good feedback on it. Um, and we should just tell people before we go some good things that they can do for their brain. Physical oh, please do. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you that, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Physical exercise is brilliant for your brain. Um, staying socially connected, so particularly at the moment in the midst of the COVID virus, being isolated or self-isolating does not mean you, you can't stay connected. It's absolutely critical you connect with people, even if it's just virtually. Um, challenging your brain, as I said. Looking after your heart. What's good for your heart is good for your brain because that's what pumps the nutrients and oxygen. Having a positive attitude is actually really, really important to your uh, brain. We're screwed, Susha. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It's all your fault, Cormac. <laughs> Oh, and, and anything else before we wrap up? So positive attitude, exercise, don't be eating too much shite, and... Um, 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 sleep, sleep, sleep. Oh, sleep. of course, the sleep. old yeah, king that is That's sleep. why I didn't think of those. Yes, sleep. Get between seven and nine hours good quality sleep every night. It's absolutely critical because the stuff that happens in your brain while you sleep is so incredibly important and managing stress.
It's so funny that you say that because if I have a bad night's sleep, I will A, 100% get sick and B, that whole day I am, I'm like a zombie. I can't function. I'm slow in every action that I'm doing. Yeah, because, cooking, because, anything. Yeah, during the day your hippocampus takes in um, all the information but it's only, it, it, it has limited resources. So when you go to sleep at night, it's got to filter that information, decide whether to keep it or not. Then the information that you keep is put into memories, etc. But your hippocampus is cle- cleared out so that the next day you can take in new information and learn new things. If you haven't done that, there's no room in your brain. That's why you actually really just kind of ah. can't. You, you, you can't function properly. Um, it's absolutely critical. But also, you're right about the, the, the cold. If you don't get enough sleep, um, it suppresses your immune function. So too does poorly managed chronic stress. So um, I think I put up, I actually have up on my Instagram, Sabina Brennan, I actually have put some tips on managing stress during the um, uh, COVID-19 because, um, you know, you know, if you are chronically stressed, as a lot of people are now at the moment, um, it suppresses your immune function. So you really need to work hard to manage it. Um, because you want a really healthy immune function, immune system at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, Sabina Brennan, as I said, we could talk for hours. If you want to check out more of the stuff she's doing and you want to have a listen to her brand new podcast, superbrain.ie, um, and you can find Superbrain on ACAST and Spotify and all the usual podcast places. Uh, Sabina Brennan, listen, thanks a million for popping on. You're very good. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the evening. Lady. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.